It's good to be back on Search the Scriptures today. It's a blessing, and it's really a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to be together, open up God's Word, get right into the Scriptures, and learn from all of those rich teachings and truths, those promises, those directions, instructions, commandments, and yes, even those rebukes and chastisements, because God has designed all of that to guide us in the best possible life that mankind can live in this world with the greatest hope and direction, and that's for eternity. We're thankful that you're here today. We're thankful to always have our listeners ready and, and willing to open up their hearts, their ears, their minds, and listen to God's word being proclaimed. And we pray that as we go through this program each day, that it's making a difference for good in your life, that your faith is growing and that you're coming closer to God and that you're moving in the direction that God would have you to move in to come to forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. That is our prayer, and we do pray for you. It's a blessing for me to be here again today with Dennis Stackhouse to continue our study. Thank you, Gary. It's also a blessing for me to be with you on the program today and with all of our listeners. We are so appreciative that you've tuned in to search the scriptures, and as always, we do hope this time together will be of benefit to you, that it will be an encouragement, and that you will be edified by the time we spend looking at God's Word together. And you know, Gary, when you uh, spoke about eternity in your opening remarks, I'm reminded that for far too many people, I really don't think they understand eternity or very much about it. From the standpoint that I don't know that many people really grasp how horrible, how terrible, how absolutely painful it would be for someone to spend an eternity in hell. And yet, the scriptures very clearly teach that that will be the destiny for those who do not know God or who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So certainly it behooves all of us as we're living in this physical realm, as we have the opportunity to get ourselves in a right relationship with God so that we can know beyond a doubt that our eternity will be spent with God and with Christ in heaven. Certainly, we hope all of you are intent upon following that road. Yeah, it, it's, you know... The idea of eternity is so foreign to us. It is. Now, we can hear the word. We can have it explained to us, time without end, time mm -hmm. without beginning. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty hard for us to really wrap our minds around that because we don't see anything eternal in this world. We don't experience anything like it. No. We're all, everything has an end. Mm -hmm. Now, some things may last a long time, but they still have an end. Yes. But when we're talking about time without end, on and on and on, forever and ever, mm -hmm. that's really tough for us to fully mm -hmm. grasp. It is. And yet, that's what we're talking about after this life is over, time without end. Mm -hmm. Where are we going to be? Yes. Heaven or hell? Right. The only two choices. Well, along that line and central to that that question is the question that we're dealing with today and in this particular series of study. What was accomplished by the death of Christ? What was that all about? What happened? Why did Jesus die in that cross? Yes, good questions and ones that we really need to answer in our own minds to our own satisfaction. 
And the only way that we can properly do that is to get into God's Word. That's where the answers are found. That's exactly right. That is exactly where the answers are found. Now, what would you say was accomplished by the death of Christ? Well, as we pointed out, a whole lot more than I'm afraid a whole lot of people have taken the time to fully comprehend. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's the case, yes. We want to know things right now. We want mm -hmm. it all in a nutshell. Give me the mm -hmm. summarized version. Distill it down, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And no, that's not what we need in answer to this question. Mm -hmm. We need to get in God's Word, and we need to study it carefully and thoroughly and in depth. Mm -hmm. Because this is as important an understanding of any information that is confronted to us of anything that we possibly could come up with mm -hmm. in this world, in this life. Yes, that's true. We need to know the answer mm -hmm. to what was accomplished by the death of Christ. That's right. Because that answer makes a, an eternal difference to us as individuals. Mm -hmm. It certainly does. Now we noted in our last program as we started to get into the scripture study here, that the manifold wisdom of God was demonstrated in the death of Christ on yes. the cross. Ephesians chapter eight verses, uh, chapter three, verses eight through 11. Mm -hmm. God in his wisdom, and, and that, that phrase manifold wisdom is really descriptive. Yes. It is a word that talks about not just some degree of knowledge or just some wisdom, but manifold wisdom, abundant mm -hmm. wisdom. Mm -hmm. And God's manifold wisdom was demonstrated in sending Christ to that cross. Now that text in Ephesians chapter 3 tells us that God had this plan in mind before he ever created mankind. Because in his foresight, his omniscience, the technical term could be used, mm -hmm. he already knew before he created man that man was going to mess up. Yes, he did. And you know, when you think about it from that standpoint, Gary, that makes God's love even more impressive to me. The fact that he knew before it ever happened that man would enter into sin, that they would disobey him, that they would in many cases turn their back and rebel against him. Still, he loved mankind enough that he carried out his plan in Jesus Christ. He did. He did. And, and Maybe we'll come back and talk about the love of God in, in a little more detail too, being mm -hmm. shown through yes. the death of Christ. Mm -hmm. But certainly his wisdom, he knew and, and he took steps to deal with that. Yes. Because knowing something does not always mean that we do what we ought to do to deal with what we know is going to happen. That's true. God knew ahead of time and he took steps to deal with what he knew was going to happen. He did. A cataclysmic event mm -hmm. from a spiritual perspective. Yes. Man was going to sin. Mm -hmm. And as you pointed out so well in our last program, that changed everything. It really did. It really did. You know, up to that point in time, Adam and Eve had lived in a world where sin did not exist. And again, that's something we can't wrap our heads around. We just don't experience anything like that in our society or in our world. Sin surrounds us. Yeah, it really does. It's, it's pretty permeating it in is. our culture, isn't it? it in really our is. existence. Yes. And God 
knowing that was going to happen. And mm-hmm. sin has consequences that are inescapable mm-hmm. unless we turn to God yes. through Jesus Christ. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ to the cross. That's right. So that we would have an avenue through which we could turn to God mm-hmm. for forgiveness mm-hmm. and be reconciled with him. That's right. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, we're going to go back and look at that. We, we uh, finished the program last time by reading that particular text. Let's look at it again. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, God's plan for man's salvation was accomplished through the the death of Christ on the cross. Mm -hmm. He had in his mind this plan whereby man could be redeemed from the guilt of his sin. Right. And in sending Christ to the cross... He set that plan into motion. Really, we could go back to the Garden of Eden and we Mm -hmm. could say he set it into motion right after man sinned. He did. But we see it come to fruition Mm -hmm. in Christ dying on that cross. That's correct. Very, very important for us. Very important for us to understand. Now, notice again that the Apostle Paul here speaks of the wisdom. We speak wisdom among those who are mature. But it's not the wisdom of this age. Mm-hmm. It's the wisdom of God. Mm-hmm. In both of these texts that we've looked at, Ephesians 3, verses 8 through 11, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 8, it talks about the wisdom of God being behind the death of Christ on the cross. Yes, that's right. The hidden wisdom of God ordained before the ages. Mm-hmm. There again, the understanding that God before time began for, ma- for mankind, from our physical perspective, the wisdom of God was already at work devising mm-hmm. the plan. Yes, and I think it's prudent to point out here, Gary, it was for our glory. For our glory. Sinful yes. mankind is the one who benefits from this. Yes, what a blessing. Mm. What a blessing. Now, the manifold wisdom of God then is demonstrated through the death of Christ on the cross. Let's turn to Romans chapter 3 and look at verses 25 and 26. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We need to have a little bit of a, an in-depth understanding here as to the situation that is being dealt with in this particular text. Paul, the writer of this particular letter, had grown up and lived, oh, most of his life, we would probably say by this point, as a Jew. That's right under the law of Moses. Right. Now, that law, though, and the law that preceded it, the spiritual law, the the patriarchal law that preceded the law of Moses, those laws 
could not in and of themselves forgive sin or bring salvation, again, by their own power and authority to mankind. Yes, that's true. They were limited in scope. Mm-hmm. They were limited in, in ultimate direction. And they were limited in what they could accomplish. That's right. The death of Christ demonstrates the righteousness and the justness of God, Paul says here in verses 25 and 26, in passing over the sins of those who lived under those laws. Mm-hmm. Now, so someone would say, well, I'm not sure I understand what you're, what you're saying here. Well, again, you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Man has entered into sin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, God already has the plan in mind for man's redemption. Mm-hmm. But the plan is going to take time to unfold. Yes. It's going to require a bloodline through which the Savior could come into the world in right. physical form. Mm-hmm. God would not reveal that bloodline for a long time, hundreds of years to come. Yes. God, again, the manifold wisdom of God. We want things right now. God knows the right time. Mm -hmm. And so Genesis chapter 12, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years later, Mm -hmm. after the flood, Mm -hmm. then God gives Abraham, Abram as he was referred to at that time, Mm -hmm. instructions and gives his, his prophecy that through Abraham's bloodline, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And ultimately, we understand that to mean Christ is coming through the bloodline of Abraham. Yes. Now, that though, even though God has revealed now and he has selected and made known this bloodline, it's still going to take hundreds and hundreds of years, isn't it? For yes. it to come to fruition. Yes, it certainly did. Abram didn't have any children at that time. That's true. He was already an old man. He was. And God was going to let him wait mm-hmm. quite a while longer. <laughs> yes, he did. And he demonstrated that this was going to happen by God's power, not by Abram's power. Mm-hmm. And then you get into a situation where the bloodline becomes tainted somewhat in that the descendants of Abraham continually struggled with their faithfulness and mm-hmm. their faith. Yes. I suspect that possibly, if that had not been the case, Christ would have come into the world sooner. Mm-hmm. But again, God knows the right time. Mm-hmm. And so the descendants of Abraham had to get to the point where they were firm in their faith and in their faithfulness to mm-hmm. God for God to be able to send the Savior into the world. Yes to teach them Mm -hmm. the gospel yes, and through them to teach the world the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul puts it in an interesting way, Gary, what you're talking about in regard especially to Christ coming into the world when it was God's time for that to happen. In Galatians 4, verse 4, he wrote, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And the fullness of the time simply means at the right time. Yes, and that was God's time. That was God's time, that's Mm -hmm. right. Not our time. Yes. Now, 
What about all those people, though, who died under the patriarchal law mm -hmm. and the law of Moses mm -hmm. during the Old Testament times? Mm -hmm. Well, God made a way for them to have their sins atoned for, pointing, as Paul points, puts it, points out here in, in Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 5 and 26, pointing toward the prophecy that Christ was coming, the mm -hmm. Savior was coming, and he would pay that price for mm -hmm. man's redemption. Yes. So Paul says in verses 25 and 26 here of Romans chapter 3, God, in the death of Christ on the cross, demonstrated his righteousness and justness mm -hmm. in forgiving those from old time mm -hmm. before the cross mm -hmm. of their sins if they had lived faithfully before God. Yes. You know, and again, uh, we say oftentimes the Bible is its own best commentator. If we look at the statement made in Hebrews 9, verse 15, it reinforces what you've just been saying. And for this reason, he, speaking about Jesus, is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. When Jesus died on the cross, his blood was effective not just in working from the present time forward, which includes all of us who are living today, it also went backward to cover the price that needed to be paid for those who lived under that first covenant. And once again, we see only the manifold wisdom of God, only his power, only his authority mm -hmm. could have accomplished that. <laughs> Absolutely. Now let's go back to Leviticus chapter 17 and just read a statement here that we need to understand and grasp. Chapter 17, verse 11. Okay. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Now, when we read that statement in the New Testament, say, mm -hmm. uh, shedding of blood, yes. referring to Christ and the cross, yes. the Jews understood instantly what that meant. It meant he died on the cross. No question about it. Because the life is in the blood. That's so right. we're not talking about cutting his finger or, or pricking a, you know, the, the end of a finger and a few drops of blood. You know, we're talking about he gave his life. Mm -hmm. And that vivid imagery of that Roman soldier ramming that spear into his side and coming forth blood and water. Mm -hmm. He died on that cross. Yes. The shedding of blood was necessary. Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. What does the Hebrews writer say? Saying... This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise be sprinkled with blood, both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Over and over again, when we go through those pages of Old Testament history, we see the presence of blood brought forth right to the forefront mm -hmm. in the sacrifices, the way the sacrifices were conducted, blood sprinkled before the altar, mm -hmm. you know, over and over again, the blood was emphasized. Well, that's not because there was any gory nature to God's mentality. It's because 
God wanted those people to understand and all mankind to understand this thing that you did entering into sin was terrible. It is something that will bring about your death. Now that would happen literally from mm -hmm. a physical perspective, mm -hmm. but it's also, and much more serious, is the eternal spiritual perspective. That's right. This is your death. That's what this is about. Mm -hmm. Now understand that all of these sacrifices, and we might even think of all the animals that were sacrificed through all of Old Testament years, rivers of blood. Mm -hmm. Why was it? Well, again, why would God do that? Because that's how awful sin is. Mm -hmm. All of those lives that had to be sacrificed because of man's sin. Mm -hmm. But then the greatest sacrifice of all was Christ on that cross. Yes. And his blood had to be shed mm -hmm. because the blood of all those animals, that wasn't going to really cut it. That no. was just that was just something God tolerated for a while. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a, a representative kind of offering mm -hmm. until the Savior would come. Yes, as you said earlier, God was looking forward to yes. the sacrifice of Jesus and was using these animal sacrifices as a way of perhaps instructing the people as to what would happen in the future. Yes, and helping them see this is your sin made these deaths mm -hmm. necessary. Yes. Your sin will make the death of my son necessary ultimately. Right. How does this read in Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 3 and 4? But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. And then what about verses 25 and 26 of chapter 9? Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages... He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The blood of the bulls and the goats, the animals that were offered in sacrifices so frequently and repetitively through all of the Old Testament years, they were insufficient. They were lower than mankind. Mm -hmm. God simply allowed them to be used in an atoning kind of way accommodatively mm -hmm. until the Savior would come. Right. And then Christ would die on that cross, and his would be a one-time-for-all-time sacrifice. That's right. Fully effective mm -hmm. to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Once again, our time is up. Deep study. Very, very important for us to understand, to comprehend, and to appreciate. We do hope that you will contact us right away and ask for that free Bible study and find out how what God did by sending Christ to the cross is effective to change your life today. Why not contact us right now?